Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Light Reading's Ian Morris about mounting pressure on European mobile network operators to avoid Huawei and ZTE as they look for equipment and tech suppliers for their 5G networks. We discussed which operators are resistant to swapping out Huawei and CTE equipment and what the potential impact is on the broader industry. Hey, Ian, welcome back to What's the Story? How are you doing? Hey, Kelsey. Yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so you and Anne have been uh, covering a bit of pressure on Huawei and CTE. Um, it, it, well, also pressure on uh, so your European mobile network operators to kind of um, shun Huawei and ZTE when they're selecting their equipment um, in preparation for their 5G networks. Can you talk a little bit about you know what's going on there and and where that pressure is coming from? Yeah, so so the context is, uh, I guess, there's been a, a lot of pushback o- against Chinese vendors uh, in the last few years, coming a lot of it out of the states. Obviously, when Donald Trump came in, and there was moves to uh, pass sanctions against Huawei and ZTE, and uh, a lot of pressure on European governments to, um, you know, put pressure on their own operators to stop using those players, and. Um, it's had no- noticeable effects in some countries like the UK, which has now made moves to ban uh, the use of Huawei and, and ZTE, although not for quite a few years. They've been given until I think the end of 2027 to get them out. You've had some of the Scandinavian countries saying they can't build 5G equipment and a few other countries sort of introducing laws, but maybe not doing doing that much with them, you know, not really being tough on the on the companies. And then data that's been coming out from uh, people that I look at who've been tracking this, so particularly a Danish company called Strand Consult that's really been all over this area, you know, has, has shown that, you know, there's still a huge amount of Huawei equipment being used. A lot of operators have carried on um, upgrading to 5G using Huawei or ZTE where they'd had it in the 4G network before. And there's not really been as much um, you know, efforts to remove it, I think, as, as you know, either the US or, or European regional authorities would have liked and and then we've had this move recently led by Thierry Breton who's an EU commissioner to really kind of try and get tough I guess on the national governments and the operators that he he perceives to have not been doing enough so they came out with this update to what they call the e the 5g toolbox it sounds like something you'd use to sort of fix a base station but it's actually a set of, <laughs> yeah it's actually a set of supposed to be a set of security guidelines basically saying don't use don't don't use high risk vendors they call them in your in your networks and by high risk vendors they basically mean Huawei and ZTE and they published an update about two weeks ago I think sort of listing the listing various um, countries and and saying you know out of the EU twenty seven so the the twenty seven government you know countries that form that form the European Union there's only a limited number that have that have passed laws and there's an even smaller number that have actually done anything about it. And then you've got the, the biggest country in the EU economically, Germany, uh, having done nothing at all. I mean, that's the real kind of, that's, <laughs> that's kind of the outstanding thing is that you've got, um, you know, one of the, one of, one of the two main kind of, uh, forces I'd say within the EU having done very, very little to, um, 
remove remove Chinese equipment whatsoever. And and the the EU is clearly not happy about that, and they're trying to sort of exert pressure. And um, it, it's a, and it's a move interestingly that the operators seem to be quite resistant to doing. There, I mean, Do, uh, Timotheus Hergis, who's the boss of Deutsche Telekom, was on a panel earlier this week at a conference in Germany, and he, and he got asked about this and pretty much made out that he's not going to do anything unless his own unless his own government tells him to you know so you've got you've got this scenario where there's almost a clash between national governments within the european union and and the kind of presiding body if you like the european commission officials mm-hmm. themselves and uh yeah it's kind of hard to see how it's going to play out because unless um you know, unless Germany, unless Germany's government comes along and sort of says, you know, hey, Deutsche Telekom, you need to make sure you're not using any Huawei equipment in the next few years, then he's clearly going to carry on using it. And and then and the, and the tough thing for the um, the German government, as he as he sort of pointed out himself, is that there's a huge amount of trade that goes on between Germany and China. It's like their, I think it's last year it was like their biggest export market for things like German cars and machine tools. So any any move where Germany, where Deutsche Telekom says we're taking out all Huawei's equipment and we're going to put in Ericsson or Nokia instead, and Huawei's lost this huge deal that they've got in Europe, possibly their number one customer, is probably going to meet with some kind of retaliation on the Chinese side, and and that's going to hurt that's going to hurt the German economy. So it's yeah, it's it's a curious situation. Yeah, so it seems kind of like a, a multi-layered issue there. It's not just, you know, one reason why they're resistant to maybe replacing Huawei. I mean, I imagine they've already made a significant investment and then there's, you know, geopolitical relations to consider. Uh, and also, like you said, their own government, um, you know, whether or not Germany is going to rule on that or not. Although, I mean, I, I feel like there's so much pressure <laughs> From- totally. You, I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, though, with the three things, because um, on on from Deutsche Telekom's perspective, they don't want to have to take out. Or, this isn't this this isn't the same situation that you had in the UK going back kind of three years where they were fairly tough, uh, and they came out and said you have to get rid of Huawei, and they get they gave the, they gave the operators a long time to do it until the end of 2027 to be completely sort of Huawei free, but at the time. Um, we were we were due uh, a replacement of 4G equipment anyway. It had been in the it had been in the ground for a long time, and it was aging. And that platform needed replacing. And there wasn't a lot of 5G. You know, it's 2020 when the the standard had only really just appeared. It was only sort of 2019 people started investing in it at all. I think, and you know, it was Asian markets in the US that were the the first movers there. So it was much easier for them to start thinking about a switch to other companies at that stage. Deutsche Telekom has gone and built a 5G network that now covers 95% of the German population. And if you look at Strand Consult's data, about 59% of that's based on Huawei equipment. So you're talking about tens of thousands of antennas, uh, you know, a a, a good number of cell sites across the country. You you think about having to swap all that out and the cost's really high. It's... um, I mean, there was a Barclays note that got circulated not so long ago that said that overall cost for Germany, for German operators, by the way, because they they'd have to pay for this themselves. You know, under under laws in the in the EU, they wouldn't be able to sort of get any government funds for this. So they'd have to they'd have to foot this bill, and it's about two and a half billion. 
uh, euros. And, and that to me is, I think, conservative. If I look at my own sort of calculations of what I, I, I think it could be, I, I reckon it could be a bit higher than that. And it's, you know, in the context of companies that are making a lot of money, okay, they could, they probably could do it, but um, it's uh, European operators are often moaning about, you know, what a hard time they're having and their sales aren't going up. You know, they 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 moan about costs of supporting new technologies and data traffic from internet companies all the time. They're quite heavily indebted. If they had to do it quickly, it would be really disruptive, I think, to services, and it would it would put a hole in earning. It would affect the share price. It would be a nasty thing for them to, for them to have to do. So they're, they're clearly going to push back against any idea of a kind of quick swap. And that's why I think, you know, if, if, the, if Germany's government comes along and does decide to do anything on this, it's going to be a long time that it plays out. It's going to be quite similar to what happened in the UK. You know, this is, as I say, this is back when it was easier to do and they gave companies seven to eight years. So we're, talk, we're probably talking about a swap out that goes into the late 2020s. I don't know, maybe even the 2030s. Um, I was going to say, by the time yeah, they swap it out, won't 6G be starting it to probably will. It probably will. It probably will be rolling around. And what? Um, who knows what that's going to be? We don't really know what that standard is going to be at the moment. It might not involve the same kind of big replacement that 5G has. Mm-hmm. I know some of the operators are quite resistant to that. But yeah, it probably will be going into the 6G era, I think. I'd be very, very surprised to see us enter the the 6G phase where where Germany is completely Huawei free. I can't see that happening. Yeah. Whereas whereas I think in the UK you will probably not have any Huawei in the in the in the uh, networks anymore by the time we get around to 6G. But Germany's just in too it's too it's too enmeshed with Huawei kind of thing really now. And mm-hmm. um, so that, so that, that's one concern for the operators. And then the, the, there's the trade considerations for the for the German government. You know what's the What's the what? What happens to sales of BMWs in China? Uh, because that could have a huge knock-on effect on the German economy. And then going back to the operators, the other thing they need to worry about is if they take out Huawei, who do they use instead? You know, it's um, that we have two big equipment suppliers in Europe that you also use a lot over there in the US: Kelsey, uh, Ericsson, and Nokia. Uh, that's great, but uh, the operators have been really worried for years about. Um, the market not being competitive enough you know they don't want to have only two suppliers to choose from they want to have other ones in the mix and there hasn't really been any other options we've got this concept called open ram that's designed to um, spur competition the whole idea is that if you open up some of these interfaces between different bits of the radio access network it makes it easier for people specializing in one area to get their products in and maybe link up with another player but it's uh it's a great idea. It's just difficult to get it working. You know, I think everybody likes the sound of it, but having it work in practice and all the kind of technical challenges and the commercial challenges you have to overcome, it's obviously not moved as fast as people were hoping it would move. So, right. And in the middle of all that, we had, uh, you know, all the supply chain issues that are still kind of reverberating um, throughout the industry. Is there um, just kind of going back to, the the issue of replacing the equipment i mean um you know on 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 the surface i i wonder like why they wouldn't just go ahead and make a plan regardless of what the german government says but in in the same light you know do you think maybe the the waiting game could potentially pay off i mean by the time that there's any um you know legislation about what they would 
need to do in replacing Huawei, maybe they'd already be planning on replacing their equipment for 6G. Like, is that a possibility that it yep. might be all right to wait a little bit? <laughs> it might be. No, I think I think you've you've come up with a really good point. Um, I think uh, I think if I'm going to be critical of them. Um, you know, maybe it was naive to think that they could go ahead and just do this and not have some political resistance at some point. And, you know, if, if you're going to be um, hard on on Timothy's Herkes, the, the Deutsche Telekom boss and the other the other bosses of the of the big sort of German telcos, the other ones, by the way, being Telefonica and Vodafone, then you could say, regardless of um, of German law, didn't they see problems down the road? You know, didn't they see issues emerging i mean another another thing to consider i think is the competitiveness of huawei equipment these days i mean it was it was regarded as the market leader back before all of this started but the efforts of, of the of the us government to sort of cut them off from the silicon supply chain have been pretty aggressive and that's carried on under joe biden and you know i just think it's harder for them to get access to the chip technology they need for really really kind of cutting edge network gear and it's maybe not hurt them as much as people are expecting because they they did a lot to stockpile they've probably done some work you know as much work as possible on the software side to overcome some of those problems and they've probably find a few found a few loopholes but it's going to have some impact so you you, you sort of think didn't the see didn't the ceos think about this you know this um that that particular issue and and political resistance down the road maybe it was a bit naive to think that they could just sort of carry on doing it but then again you know the point you made maybe they maybe they're thinking they can get away with it during the during the 5g era and then by the time they're thinking of of a next replacement cycle that comes along you know um maybe maybe that coincides with 6g who knows what that's going to be yet but by that stage maybe then open rounds ready you know maybe we've got a a super competitive Mavenir with a bunch of supporting companies and deploying all that stuff's a lot easier than it was. And, you know, hey, presto, they can do it. And if, if, if as I say, Germany's government come, does come out and say, well, you need to swap it all out, but it doesn't have to be done until 2032. Perhaps they don't have too much to worry about. You know, that's the best case scenario right. for them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's plenty of runway time, I think, yeah. for them to to get it sorted out. Uh, well, in, anything else that you wanted to, uh, you know, point out on this? I mean, it, I mean, only it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out. I suppose mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's a it's a more um, assertive move by the European Commission. It's still not going as far as actually saying you have to do something. I mean, uh, you know, we we were. I was chatting about this with some colleagues in the UK earlier, and I think maybe there's a perception that the uh, the EC doesn't want to doesn't want to weigh in too strongly and say and and actually force governments to go along with uh, any kind of uh, you know any severe rules because it, it doesn't want to interfere too much. It's there's always this argument about the uh, European Commission at the moment anyway that it's staffed by bureaucrats and unelected people, and it's a kind of power that exists beyond the, the kind of normal rules of democracy to some extent so perhaps they think it's better to just sort of make recommendations and advise in this area and not not go not go too hard on things but mm-hmm. but it does it does require a response from national governments if anything's actually going to happen or from the telcos themselves so i think watching this space over the next few weeks is going to be really interesting there's going to be loads of coverage there'll be people coming out on both sides of the of the, of the argument saying one thing or another um and yeah all all of a sudden things are, are super interesting in europe with with huawei again 
Right. And like you said earlier, you know, you made a really good point about the the issue of competition. You know, they're they're narrowing it down to Ericsson and and Nokia and how hard do they want to push that line? <laughs> you know, like kind of Yeah, I mean that's that's the odd thing. Monopoly almost. Yeah. It is, but you know, I I I wonder if sometimes the the I wonder if the same thing would be happening in other parts of the world, you know, that, comp- that companies and governments would be that worried about a duopoly when the duopoly is actually two, com- two companies from that region. You know, it's uh, sometimes Europe seems to tie itself in knots over weird things. But I mean, I'm no, I'm no fan of as a consumer and as, a, as a, an, an ordinary person, hopefully, I'm no fan of like um, oligopolies or duopolies. But the, the, the trouble with uh, complaining about Ericsson and Nokia to the extent that some of the companies seem to do and trying to push open round to the extent they're, they're doing is you, you could end up weakening a couple of couple of a couple of providers that in other parts of the world might be viewed as regional champions and maybe we should actually do more to support them so um, I don't know how it's going to work out for them what's going on at the moment I mean they've actually the both the two of them have actually done pretty well I think in the last few years out of the um, out of the sort of Huawei swap outs that have been going on in Europe particularly Ericsson, but I think Nokia as well to some extent recently and how they fit into the whole open round story is going to be going to be an interesting one. I mean, it's not it's not buoyed other companies as much as they were expecting so far, but um, but there's, there's there's obviously a long way to go in that in that particular story. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks, Ian, for um, the update. This, uh, you know, definitely a really interesting evolving story that I think we'll be talking about probably for years to come. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> or at no least, doubt. Yeah. you know, over the next year or two. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Ian. We'll talk to you again okay. soon. Cheers, Kelsey. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our amazing producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.